Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. I only threw in two hey, hey's. Usually it's three, what's hey, going Braden. on? Are you getting tired? I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I must be. I don't know what's going on. Got to work out and get some more energy, I uh, guess. I know, but, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Matt and Braden here, Pure Victory Podcast. We got Mike Novotny here. Mike Braden always give, gives me a hard time about the way I intro. So <laughs> if I ever go off script, he's like, what is going on? Yeah, I know. <laughs> This is awesome. Mike, having you back. You're on last week. If you guys are listening and haven't listened to Mike's uh, chat last week, just about how to deal with people who have hurt you, how to deal with uh, uh, abuse. Um, and there's, there's, there was a lot of gold there. I, I'm trying to summarize, but there was just a lot. So go back and listen to that, that one. It was really good. And uh, Mike's a pastor in Wisconsin. He's a speaker and leader for Time of Grace, which is uh, just, they have so many resources. It's incredible. Uh, different platforms that they use and you can take in a lot of different um, uh, uh, videos and teachings and, and uh, blogs and lots of things. And so Mike, you do a lot and we're grateful to have you. Thanks for having me back. I was worried. I know you wanted to do two podcasts. I was worried the first one wouldn't go well and then it'd be awkward when you're like, so have a good day. Oh, we had a family <laughs> emergency in here, Mike. Sorry, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Something came up. I was, yeah. I, my, the last podcast I did, this isn't a joke. The guy who was hosting, it was him and another guy. 
And the guy who was hosting looked at his phone and then he just got up and left in the middle of the podcast. So wow. it, wouldn't, oh, it wouldn't be the first time if, if Radden just gets up and, and leaves. That is funny. I wouldn't do that to you, Mike. No, I enjoy this too much. It's been great. We, we would ju- we would just do it and say there was technical difficulties. Yeah. But <laughs> we had we had one. It was funny. And nobody knows who it is because we were able to edit it. But we had one with that before we were over. He just like in mid-sentence just said, okay, well, I'm done. And just same thing, took his headphones off and walked away. That's what editing is for. That's right. Live, not our friends with these podcasts, but yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you, Mike. And, uh, you know, Matt was just setting this up for us because uh, he was mentioning all the great resources that you have been involved with and, and developed. One of the ones that caught our eye was your Sexpectations book. And I mean, I read Great Expectations growing up, but Sexpectations, that's awesome. I love the verbiage on that. So please indulge us. Tell us what this book is all about. (laughs) Yeah. So this is a book uh, based off of a four-week sermon series we did here at my church. And kind of the premise is whether your parents talked about it with you or not, whether you're conservative, liberal, whether you live in Canada or in America, all of us have some kind of expectation for sex. And if you have a good biblical expectation, it leads to really healthy, beautiful places. And if you've adopted the expectations that maybe contemporary culture and media or your middle school friends gave you about sex, like that's going to jack your life up in 171 different ways. So kind of this was four weeks of, Hey, when we open the pages of the scripture, we find a ton of, of scripture about sex what are these expectations that God says we can come with? And so the quick summary is number one, sex is good. Number two, sex is work. Number three, sex is fiery. And number four, sex is unnecessary. And not to complicate things, but I, as a preacher who loves the gospel, I try to stick into all four of those and sex is forgivable by the blood of Jesus. Mm. So sex is good. Sex is work. Sex is fiery. Sex is unnecessary, and over all of it, sex is forgivable. Wow. Hmm. I'm kind of thinking, man, where do we want to go? There's there's a lot there. There is. But one, <laughs> one that I think caught my eye the most is, because uh, I, I like this concept, but I've never used this word, and so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Is sex is unnecessary. Can you speak hmm. more about your thoughts on that? Yeah. So when we, when we use the phrase, like, I, I need sex, Right. Like, well, I'm a, I'm a dude, so I need sex. Yeah, right. Well, the, think of where that goes. Like if it's a need, like I need to breathe. Yeah. I have to have it now. So honey, whether you're in the mood, whether I've loved you well, whether I've done the work, there's week two of serving you to connect with you in an emotionally intimate way. Like, doesn't matter. I'm going to pressure you. I'm going to make you feel obligated so when we come in with like this necessary, Jesus said only one thing is needful or necessary and it wasn't sex. <laughs> right. So right. Jesus was filled with more joy than any human who's ever walked the earth. And he was a, a virgin. He was a 33 year old virgin. So yeah, right. yeah, it, it just, the devil loves that. When we think we need something, um, man, we will cross all kinds of biblical lines to get it. Mm. Yeah. And so I just want people to take a deep breath and say, you, you might want it but you don't need it. It's nice, but it's not necessary. And that's a good kind of baseline for approaching a good, healthy intimacy. Right? I, I always think that term sexual needs came from 
either cosmopolitan trying to sell magazines or a horny husband trying to get sex with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about that, Mike, is uh, um, that messaging is so clear in our culture these days that sex is this need that we have to get met, especially these guys, right? You, you touched on that a little bit. So what does this look like when we start to buy into that lie? How does it shape our life and our relationships? What have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. To connect the second point and the fourth point, um, good, good sex is work. I sometimes say to, to make love well, you have to love well and love is patience and love is kind and it's not easily angered and it's not self-seeking, right? So the biblical, um, do you know the word in, in Hebrew when God says that Adam lay with his wife, Eve, have you guys talked about this before? Like the, the Hebrew word is to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Adam knew his wife. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, think of all the slang phrases we use for, for yeah. having sex. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say they bumped uglies or they, I don't know what you say. Right. Knocked boots. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first way the, the Bible talks about it is he, he knew her. Right. So if it's like, this is my need, I have this desire. I'm a, I'm a guy. It's like totally turning inward where it's about self where if I say, you know, I don't need this, but how can, how can I connect with you? So you're, you're going to want to do this with me. So sex becomes this good, beautiful thing that God intended. So it's going to be work uh, in marriage. I'm going to have to know you like <laughs> my wife. I came home from soccer last night at like uh, 1030. I play in this uh, soccer league. And my wife is like conked out asleep with her light on her lamp on right by her face. And I'm thinking, how, do, how does someone sleep with a lamp <laughs> shining on their face? But you know, at like eight, she's up at 4 a.m. to read her Bible, to journal, to work out. So if it's 845 and I'm trying to put the move on my wife, I don't know her very well. <laughs> right, right. Right. She's out of gas. She's a preschool teacher. She, yeah. she, you know, she ran out of energy at about two o'clock. Right. So if, if I'm saying, well, I need this right now it's not going to, she might do it to serve me and try to be kind and humble, but it's not, it's not going to be this beautiful connection that God intended it to be. Mm. So I I think that's where getting necessary expectation wrong is going to sabotage two. I'm not going to do the work. And if I don't do the work, it's going to mess with week one where both of us won't really believe what the Bible says that sex is a good gift from a good God. Mm. Wow. That's, that's really good. Um, uh, you're you're triggering me to think of in Genesis three, Adam and Eve both screw up and they're they're I mean they both committed sin, and that wrecked the intimacy that they had with God. Like the, think about the bliss that they must have had, heaven on earth, literally, and just like amazing life, walking in the cool of day and naked and no shame and I, I mean incredible. And then they both sin and think about what that did to their lives. There it destroyed. It's like having having you know all this wealth and then you both screw up and you have no more wealth or like you have great relationships and it's like you both screw up now you've no great relationships that could cause a a a rift in a marriage and so then they're kicked out of paradise they're they're out in the land where you know it's not it's not uh not the garden where god wanted them to live and the first thing in genesis 4 1 genesis 4 verse 1 adam knew his wife eve and the first thing that they did when they're in sin is they came together and they made love. But it's more than that is they knew each other, like you're saying. 
And so there's so many marriages that when there's trouble, there's been sin, they've hurt each other, there's been, you know, destruction to whatever, it causes this rift where they, they don't come together. It's like, I don't know you anymore. Who are you? But it yeah. says the first thing that they did when they're not living in paradise, now they made love. And so mm. that would have taken uh, some, some dealing with the hurt, right? That would have mm. taken probably some work to come together. And so can you speak to that when there's trouble in a marriage, when there's hurt? It says in scripture that God doesn't want us to come apart. He wants us to continually be making love. So point number two or week number two for you, sex is work. Can you speak to that when there's trouble and the work that's involved in making love? Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a book, a relationship book I read a long time ago. Have you heard about the crazy cycle? No, no, no. Yeah. It's essentially like I sin against my wife and it makes it very easy for her, just the momentum for her to sin back against me. Oh, okay. And now once she sinned against me, well, well I'm now I'm going to say right. something about her and now, Oh, he sinned against me twice. And it just, you know, it picks up momentum until some marriages, it's not like there's some huge bomb right. that was dropped, like adultery or abuse, but you, you've just been spinning so long being selfish towards right. each other that you just, you want out. It's because you're feeling sick of all of it. Right. Um, so being able to stop that crazy side and intimacy is huge in this, right? Because when we're loving each other well, when we're doing the work, oh, sex is great. It's like a good fire in the fireplace. Um, but once that spins once or twice, like you're saying, we're not communicating well, we're not connecting. Maybe I'm just like in my own, doing my work, but not trying to serve you. I think couples need to be very, very conscious of that. Um, because then, you know, if one person is pushing, like I need sex right now, ooh, th- then I kind of get some sour emotions about this and I'm less likely to respond to your advances. Mm. And so slowing down saying, Hey, I I really want to connect with you in every way. Honestly, repenting towards each other. I think they're putting the cross of Jesus right in the middle of that cycle. So it like jams up a gear. So it can't keep rolling down the path of destruction. Um, and, And that's work, right? That's, that's humble work to own my stuff to be the one to lead as the head of my household to say, I I haven't been much at all like Jesus to you lately. Mm. And I know one of the reasons we probably haven't been connecting physically is because I haven't been loving you well. And I want to be better at that. I've I've talked to Jesus about that. I want to confess that to you. So here I got my pad and paper out. If there's three things that I could do this month to make you feel closer to me, what would they be? Wow. That's, that's great, Mike. I think what you're describing too in that crazy cycle is, I mean, there's a great verse and I don't know if it's first Peter, I think it is, but do not repay evil for evil or otherwise evil will never leave your home. And uh, I think that the, uh, the onus on us is in, in a marriage, hey, I got to look at kind of what ownership I need to take here as far as asking for forgiveness, owning my part to play in this instead of pointing fingers, which we're so apt to do in marriage, right? It's so easy to do that. Hey, it's your fault. I'm angry at you. So you're not getting any of this or I'm not going to pursue you anymore or whatever else, right? Um, So I love that, Mm -hmm. putting the cross in the center of that to, you know, stop the gears of that craziness. Um, Now, what is that for, for husband and wife? I, I always, my wife and I always talk about this, but those special moments where you, you have the clarity to ask Jesus into those moments um, and, and just ask him to help you to acknowledge some of these things. Um, how do you coach or how would you help coach husband and wife to 
be more ready to do that instead of pointing fingers. Because sometimes this is a really well ingrained pattern of behavior and it's just so easy to do it, right? So how do we kind of stop that? I know you talked about inviting God into that, but in a tangible, practicable way, what would you suggest um, in those moments? Hmm. Yeah. Brad, and what percentage of couples do you think, like when work is done, dinner's done, if they have kids, kids are in bed, what percentage of them do you think pull out a tablet and watch a show together. Oh, that's great. Yeah, a lot. Uh, what's percentage? I'm going to say probably what, like 95, 99%. I don't know, lots, right? Okay, a second question. What percentage of couples, when they, they crawl into bed, do you think ever pray out loud together? That's much lower. I mean, you're going to tell me, Mike, I know, because you have this on your tongue, but I know that one in five couples only ever do anything for their marriage. So I include prayer in that. So it's low. It yeah. is. I actually don't have a statistic. I'm okay. You know, I'm thinking of how do you create a framework where these kinds of things can happen as like habit instead of like some massive new thing I got to do, especially now when we're like, things are tense at home. Yeah. So if, if my first thing, okay, the day is settled down, the responsibilities are done, even if, even if it's short, Hey, let, let's sit together, talk about our day. I'm going to leave this in prayer. And there's a couple things we're going to pray. I'm going to say, God, thank you for God. I'm sorry for God help me with, you know, so if I have a framework where not maybe not every day, but often I'm just taking this time to confess some man that I don't know how many ladies listen to your podcast, but tell me a woman who wouldn't love to hear her eavesdropping on her husband saying to their God, you know, dear God, help me to love this woman better. I'm sorry. I didn't treat your daughter. Well today. I was, I was impatient with her. Th- thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I, I need your Holy spirit. Cause I, I want to be like Christ to her. Like what, what wife opens her eyes and they're not teared up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much intimacy just in over here. Even if you're not talking to each other, it's like the, the power of indirect communication, like I'm hearing someone's heart. So that, that's a huge step. It's on the other side of awkward, right? It's the right. first time, like, oh, how do you, pr-? I don't know. I just pray to Jesus in my head. And I got to say it out loud and she's going to be listening to me. Like for sure, for sure. Yeah. It's going to be awkward. It was awkward the first time you swung a baseball bat or tried to take a slap <laughs> right. shot. It's like, just, just do it. <laughs> just, yeah. just do the hard thing and watch what God does as you kind of invite more of him, maybe a, episode less of Netflix during your week, I, I bet the fruit would be quite a bit better. Mm. Yeah. Well, how do you coach couples when there's, I mean, every marriage has different sex drive. It's funny. We did a, did a uh, episode recently on, uh, oh, on sexual compatibility. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we Googled what is sexual compatibility? It said, it said you're com- sexually compatible when you have the same libido and the same things that turn you on. And it's like, well, nobody's compatible. That's, you're <laughs> describing a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> this was a sex expert yeah. from the world saying yeah. this. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But <laughs> this was, so, so there's differences, men, women, husbands, wives, whatever. It's different. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody really just has no drive, but the other one does, and there's just constant asking and constant rejection. What would you say to both spouses? How do they handle the expectations or, or even the responsibilities or whatever word you want to call it in marriage? Yeah, man, that's a, I wrote about this in the book. So we're not that extreme, but my wife and I are very distinct in that aspect. 
Um, we ended up in a counselor's office after seven years. So have you heard of the seven year itch? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Two young kids. Yeah. Like, yep. It's just, we were out of energy. And so, yeah, we've, Kim and I have thought about this quite a bit. Um, it is a, a humble and holy thing for two people with differences to work that out together. Because what it forces you to do is it forces you to not be selfish. Which because of the fall into sin is what we all kind of want at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So for me being the higher desire, I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to be more patient. I'm going to have to throw out like how frequently I would like sex as the, the right standard that needs to be reached. I'm going to have to adjust here. And Kim loving me is going to have to work hard to remember like sex is a great thing. This is going to be work for me too. Um, it might not be the first thing on my mind. We, we she found a, a great article about, uh, you know, responsive sexual desire where I, I don't think that I want it until after it started, mm. which was really, and she resonated with that a lot of mm. just like, I like it at the end of it. It's just, it's not like I take my shirt off walking through the house and boom, like, the <laughs> <Right. lit>. like, <laughs> if the tables were turned, I mean, this would be, <laughs> but <Yeah>. no. <laughs> so, you know, just, just knowing her, knowing myself, knowing us as a couple, um, th- this is our unique thing that we get to do together that no one else is a part of. And so just, just like raising a kid, it's going to be slowly, but surely maturing our sexual relationship, which, which does grow in small, but beautiful ways. So yeah, for couples who are different, I would say if both of you approach it with like humility and a heart to serve, like we're not going to throw this out, even though we're different, like there's nowhere else I can go that God approves of. So this is our, it's a responsibility and a biblical obligation. And it's a really good gift that a good father gave. Yeah. So what can I do? What can you do? What can we do together so that our marriage bed becomes what God always intended it to be? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Now I have another question. It's, I guess it's a bigger one, but okay. So we were talking about expectations within our mm-hmm. sexual lives together as husband and wife. Now what happens when pornography is something that is part of our story that is in the marriage? What does that do to our expectations within our, our marital bed? Um, and how do we navigate that? Um, because this has caused the rift. It's caused, you know, it can cause a lot of trauma and, so what do we do in regards to expectations with if porn is, is in our marriage? Yeah. Well, Braden, if you ask me why, why Jesus hates porn, like this would be top three right. responses. Uh, if the first chapter of, of this book is sex is good, but you've been watching porn thinking that's sex, your actual sexual experience will not be good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to wonder what's wrong with me or what's wrong with her or why isn't this working? Like they're actors and actresses They're (laughs) This isn't like a random camera filming actual intimacy. This is like, this is specifically direct by an actual director with, (laughs) with lighting and a, a script to try to make money off of like, So yeah, porn just, for porn to actually be realistic, it it would have to be like a 12 hour movie. (laughs) Like in the the morning he made her coffee. (laughs) 
And then he texted her this sweet thing while she was at work. Yep. And then he did the dishes. Let's watch him. Let's watch him do the dishes. And she's surprised and oh man, that's so nice of you to take something off my plate today. Mm. Right. No, no one's going to stick with it. That you got to so hook him in the beginning. Totally, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, good sex is the fruit of a selfless root. You know, that's where the good things come from. But, but porn tries to give you like this amazing fruit and there's, it's just totally devoid of selflessness, love, work, and service. So that's my concern. You, you have churches and parents who don't say a word about sex to their kids. They don't know what to say. They feel awkward. And so porn fills the gap. It becomes like the number one sex educator. And then you get into your first sexual relationship or your marriage and you wonder what's wrong with it. Right. Cause you've been watching more porn than reading more Bible. So yeah, that's, Sorry to get kind of grouchy about it. I just, I've seen what that's done in, in my own life when I started marriage. And it's just, it's such a shame that I, I brought, even I didn't even think I was doing it, but brought a little bit of that backstory to my marriage bed with Kim when we were first married. So I wish I could take that back a thousand times over. Yeah. There's so many, so many subtle beliefs that porn gives us that we have no idea. Uh, or even the world gives us. I remember like women are emotional, men are physical and I get married and I'm like, but I like the emotional part of it. And my wife's like, but I like the physical part of it too. Like it's not just emotional. I'm like, this is not anything that I have ever heard. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. So yeah, just so many, yeah. even like the selfishness. Like I'm like, oh, I'm so selfish. I'm just about me. Part of that's probably our just sinful nature, but lots is from porn for sure. So I think identifying those things is really important. And uh, just, you know, it's like you're saying, getting those beliefs uh, about sex from God, from the Bible. Open the Bible. What does God say? And that's why I love sex expectations and what you've done. And so thanks for giving us a summary. And uh, maybe, and just not just a summary, but such good tips and wisdom too. It's just been so good. So maybe, could you share with some, with the listeners where they could find sex, ex, uh, sex expectations, sex expectations <laughs> and, uh, and other uh, resources that would help them? For sure. Yeah, if you go to timeofgrace.org, um, just go to the store. You can find a copy of Sexpectations. So it's a, just a little book, quick read. Uh, there's also another little book called Sex is Complicated. Let's talk about it. So that was a series of sermons based off the Song of Songs. A um, bunch of other resources there too, different messages, sermons, audio, written content. Um, and I hope that's a huge help. Um, I should have mentioned this before. Sorry. Uh, if you've messed this up and... If you're listening, hopefully you've heard all three of us say we've messed this up. Mm-hmm. Jesus was kind of famous for being the, that was, was actually a diss on him that I bet he was very proud of, that he was the friend of sinners. Mm, yeah. And not just people who struggled with patience or greed, but the woman caught in the act of adultery, the Samaritan woman who was living with her boyfriend, the Corinthians, for goodness sake, if, yeah, if God yeah. loves the Corinthians, <laughs> yeah. there is hope for the rest of us. Yeah. So, yeah, if uh, we talked a lot about practical tips, but just knowing at the end of the day, God is so kind. He's drowned my porn past in the depths of the sea mm. and separated it as far as the east is from the west. So yeah, cool. we can go in peace and try to turn a new page with, with his guidance and his love. Wow. That's our prayer for everybody out there listening right now. You know, what you just said, Mike, when we believe that for everybody out there, um, that uh, God has that heart for you to draw you in, to have an in-depth transformational relationship and life with him lived with him and he wants to touch that pain he wants to change your life and he wants to remove those things from you so that you have better intimacy not only with him but with others in particular your spouse but not only that and so thanks mike you're you're part of the voice and the push in the church uh to just start speaking about these things 
to have the conversation and the dialogue about this, which is so important. I, you know, I would have loved to have something like this when I was growing up and a teenager. And so I'm thankful uh, that we have these things now. So thanks, Mike, for what you're doing. You're welcome. Thanks for you guys too. Just uh, looking at your podcast feed, like, holy cow, these guys are killing it. Like this, <laughs> just what you said, like, oh, when I was 17, where was this? When I was 21, where was this? So yeah. thank you, God, better late than never. So I appreciate your courage and diving into the deep end of verbalizing and normalize all of this stuff. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.